we are going to Mexico City for a business retreat and you are invited. There's something magical about getting out of the day-to-day routine. It's even better when you pack your bags, hop on a flight, and land in a new city. From July 21st to July 26th, 2024, join us as we settle into our home for the week, visit all the local coffee shops that Mexico City has to offer, and dedicate time to work on our businesses. This means a whole work week to brainstorm your business's future, set goals for the next year, and get caught up on all those admin tasks that keep getting pushed to the wayside. And you didn't think we'd be all work and no play, did you? While our primary goal is dedicated time to work on the biz and give ourselves space to dream and scheme, we can't go to Mexico City and not experience the vibrant culture. That's why we planned a night of salsa lessons at Mama Roomba, and we're going to get to go visit some of the best restaurants that Mexico City has to offer. Registration is now open. Spots are limited, and you don't want to miss out on this amazing opportunity. Come hang out with us and work on your business in person in Morgan's favorite city. Head to weightinclusiveinnovators.com slash admincation to sign up or click the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians to building a cohesive brand to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it, talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we're on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, Weight Inclusive Innovators. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are going to be chatting about the difference between being an entrepreneur and being a business owner. If there even is a difference, TBD, we'll talk it out. But before we dive into today's episode, let's check in with Hannah. Hello, Hannah. Hi. What were your business highs and lows from the last week? My high, I have, I think I talked about this last time, but I finalized my schedule that I'm working towards and it is chef's kiss with meetings Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. There's still like a little bit on Fridays, but Q2, knocking that off. And it's really allowing me to finally have a little bit of space to like get shit done. But it's almost like I have so much space sometimes that I want more. Like the more I'm given, the more I'm like, I need more of this. Um, but my high is actually having that space and getting into a workflow. Like on Monday, I was able to run um, financial projections for Nourish Colorado for 2024, which was super fun. I really want to do a workshop on this because I feel like we don't know how to budget for a group practice or a private practice. And so I feel like I'm finally in the rhythm of knowing how to do that. And then also, so that was fun. That's like nerdy, visionary shit that I love. Um, I finally heard back from one of the insurances that we take that we are getting a fee increase, which is super exciting. Yay! I'm going to tag a low onto that though, because they wanted to pay us like a dollar more. And I'm like, "Mm -mm, no, that's not going to fly. So I pushed back. So fingers crossed that we can negotiate. Yeah. Keeping all the fingers crossed. All the fingers crossed. My low is I'm pretty overstimulated today. I don't know if you can tell from my energy. It's just been a very meeting heavy day and I had a lot of caffeine. And like I said, I'm really chomping at the bit for that project time. And I just can't find it because Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, since that is my main meeting days, those are packed and that's okay. I'm consenting to that. They're all important meetings. Um, 
But it's just one of those things where in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh my God, I want to work on this thing. I need to do my outline for my webinars for Values Driven Group. And like, yeah, so I'm feeling a little spacey distracted with that. Plus overstimulated. It's a terrible combo. Don't recommend. That was me two days ago. I had so much caffeine that like by noon, I was like so jittery and it was rainy here. And so I was also unmotivated, but I was caffeinated and I'm like, what is happening? The worst combination ever. Um, That is terrible. What did you do to deal with it? Pulled out my walking pad. Perfect. And got some energy out that way and then booked a like really fucking hard workout class Tuesday night to make sure that I got like all of the energy out of my system so I could actually sleep Tuesday night. Love that. We love uh, finishing the cycle, expressing the energy out, however that yep. looks for everybody, but nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I did a, I took a boxing class, which I haven't taken in a while and I am so sore now, <laughs> but it was That'll great. Do it. it was, it was exactly what I needed. I had some punching bags, had some like sh- um, shadow work with people holding their mitts, did some jump rope. It was like agility. It was, it was great. It was exactly what I needed to like, yeah, to finish that stress cycle. I love a fun that workout class like that where it's just playful and like you get to punch stuff and jump rope. Mm-hmm. Ah, so yeah. good. It was great. It was great. Tell us your highs and lows. My high of this last week is I had a call with a therapist on Friday who runs a pretty dang successful Facebook group. And I know for a fact that some of our members are, that some of our listeners are members of that Facebook group. So you'll probably be seeing this coming out pretty soon, but she is a huge fan of not letting your website stop you from starting your practice and is an advocate for one-page websites, which if you've been listening for a long time, you know I love a good comprehensive one-page website, especially when you're just starting out in your private practice. And so I had actually met her during my time that I was working with Superbill. And so I reached out to her and was like, hey, this is what I'm thinking for a collaboration. Would love to chat if you're open to it. And so we had a meeting on Friday and that meeting went so good. And so I am going to be designing three websites, three one-page website templates specifically for her audience. And so this feels really good and kind of goes into my like, it's like a solution for my low, which I'll talk about in a sec. But basically, I'm getting to do the fun part of the creating of the templates. I love creating websites, obviously. She is giving me basically full reign with, she's like, you're really knowledgeable in this. Like, I don't even feel like I have to like keep a pulse on it. But I do, I want these websites to be like bold and funky because I think that's missing in the therapeutic space, in the mental health space. And I was like, oh, you... These are the, I just like showed her the templates that I had created and she goes, oh yeah, that's exactly what I had in mind. Like that kind of vibe. And so I am going to get to create those and then I don't have to do any of the marketing because she's going to market all of them to her audience. And that just feels like such a good balance for me. And really aligns with your word of the year, which I believe I'm going to pull this out of my ass. Collaboration? Nope. Okay. Damn. Okay. (laughs) But- but collaboration it was one of your ends. It's something. Yes, it was one of my. Damn ends. it! I definitely want to spend more time collaborating with people. 
beautiful and like leaning into other people's audiences and like mm-hmm. doing things together. Like that's so cool and so yeah. smart because everybody does the thing they're good at. And I also think it's way nicer for somebody else to sell the thing for you with their nurtured audience, like smart. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that feels just like really good and exciting and fun. And my low as to why that feels like a solution and why that feels so fun. My low is that I am having a hard time finding a percentage split of my time on all the different projects that I have. And the more that I've been reflecting on this, well, the TLDR is that I want to spend more time focused on the eating expedition. But in order to do that, I have to give something up or shift how much time I'm allocating to other things. And letting go of things is really hard for me, (laughs) like letting go of projects that I've created because I've already spent so much time like putting into these projects. And so I have basically boiled down the fact that I have more hours in the week that I could spend doing something. However, I am maxed out creatively. Like I don't have any more energy to give with my creativity. Like that's at capacity. And so how do I fill that time and move the needle in the business with things that are not creatively draining to me? And it's, and I don't have a solution yet. I haven't figured it out. That's why it's a low because I have just been like sitting with this for about two weeks now um, and trying to figure out like what that looks like and how I can fill my time with not just busy work, but like things that will actually move the needle in the business. Um, But when my creativity is capped, like I feel drained and like don't feel like I am able to put into anything else. And so, yeah, it's just, it's a weird balance right now. That is such an important revelation for you to be having Mm -hmm. because I feel like it shows your, your craft in a way of like, you've done the thing, maybe not as efficient as possible and like really enjoyed it and doing creative stuff. And then now you're like, oh shit, I have a cap on how much I can do. So now I need to like it's almost a system, right? Of like, how do I reel this in, figure out exactly how many projects I can take on at once, exactly what the work's going to look like each week, even though I know your spontaneous self hates that too. But one thing, and I wonder if some of this is coming up for you because of reading essentialism, maybe not, but in the book, they talk about how sometimes, or maybe this is deep work now. I don't know. I started that book as well. (laughs) (laughs) They were talking about how if you have structure where you do certain things at certain times, that actually gives you more freedom for spontaneity because it's one less decision you have to make. So you can make a spontaneous decision. I don't know if it was in either of those books. It might've been the Instagram reel you sent me with like the military time. And you were like, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. And that's exactly what they were talking about. Nobody can see me, but I'm looking around because I don't remember. (laughs) Go watch it. Go watch it. And then okay. and then we can I mean we talked about I think we could probably do a whole episode on that because I I literally watched it and I was like, oh my god, I have so many thoughts I can't even like voice note you back because it would be like a 20 minute long voice note. 
Yeah, but anyway. I love this for you. I love the thinking about how you're splitting your time and we'll be curious. Please report back how you decide what your capacity is. Cause I went through a similar thing with business coaching and trying to mm-hmm. figure out like, how am I going to keep running and growing the group practice? How are we going to keep doing we in the way that we are, which we is pretty, mm-hmm. it's pretty chill. Um, and it's very fun. So it's yeah. easy to make time for. And then for my business coaching, that's how I decided like I can only do five people a week because of my capacity right. and being able to show up fully and help people build their businesses. Like that's a big undertaking. And I'm realizing that it's not just an hour appointment with somebody twice a month. It's no, I'm responsible for helping them through the in-between and like build this thing sustainably. Yep. So it's not just creating yep. an hour of time. And it's one of those things too, where like, I'm, I envision, well, I envision two different things. And one of them is like weirder than the other, but I'll say both of them. I envision like you as a human are in a like bouncy ball that has like a thin layer where if like you like pushed an elbow out, like it would push the, push the material, but it wouldn't break it. Mm. And then I'm like, it reminds me of pregnant people. Oh, whenever they you're like the baby like turns in their uterus and you can see like the elbow going across. So it's, it kind of makes me like think of that. It's like whenever you're trying to figure out what your capacity is, like you have to have that uncomfortable like pushing of the boundary that's around uh-huh. you mm-hmm. in order to figure out like where that threshold is. And so I feel like that's kind of where I'm at. Is like these past couple months, I've like hit that threshold and my like spontaneous self is just like like no structure to it whatsoever. Whereas now I'm like, okay, that's what that was. Let me take a step back and like reflect on that and figure out what felt good and what didn't. Fuck. That's so normal. That is so normal. We all do that. I know. And we, you and I can talk about it and know what it feels like. And someone might not have gone through that yet, or maybe they have, and they're like, oh yeah, I know, but you can't even know what it feels like until you're in it. Mm-hmm. I, it's one of those weird existential things of like, oh, Which that's what so just happened annoying. for me. It's annoying. Like it's, it's so annoying. normal, but it's so annoying. I was talking with actually two people earlier today and I was like, I just want someone to tell me where I'm going to be in five years. So I know what to work towards now. And it's like, but it doesn't work that way. Like you have to keep pushing and trying new things and pushing the boundaries and testing the limits to figure out what it is that works. There's no, there's no magic sauce. There's no magic sauce. And then what I would ask you is, where do you want to be in five years? And then only you can, with your knowledge, know what to work on and hope to get there because nothing is guaranteed. Right. Ugh, we just I, to say, I feel like we're, I feel like we're like bordering our topic today. So you ready to dive into today's episode? Let's do it. Okay, we are talking today about the difference between being an entrepreneur and being a business owner. And like, truthfully, is there even a difference? We this, have some opinions on this that we're excited to bring to the pod. We do. This question has been in the back of my mind for a while. I don't know if I heard it on a podcast or if I think about like how people identify themselves in this space, because like it or not, in our careers, we do have identity. And when we are business owners, entrepreneurs, like we usually lean towards one of those more than the others sometimes. Um, So I think it's just an interesting question to explore. Which one do you feel like you lean more towards? Okay, I'm going to throw a curveball, which you know I love. I actually think I resonate most with a founder, like being a founder. Mm -hmm. Like I found company. 
I make companies, I build companies, um, mm-hmm. which then makes me an entrepreneur and a business owner. <laughs> I know. But the reason why I like founder is because founder feels like it really connects to the leadership piece. And the leadership piece is mm. why I am successful yeah. at building the companies that I have. And like that piece totally. is so important because you can be an entrepreneur who is a solopreneur who built a software product and you're a one person show, or you could be someone who bought a restaurant and you're going to have a whole team and like, you're not really an entrepreneur, but this restaurant was your friends and you want to keep it going. Like, so neither of those are really like mm, true to me, but founder, I'm like, yeah, I'm a founder. I have that mindset. What does the world need? Where can I lead? Where can I have people follow? How can I help people also found companies. That's a little bit of a tangent, but that's what came up in this moment. Do you feel like you have to have a team to lead if you're a founder? Oh, I don't. I, I think it's an easy answer of, I don't think you have to lead a team. I think you can be a leader in a space. So for you, you are a leader mm. in the design space for weight inclusive folks. Cool, um, cool, cool. Yeah. So people look to so not you, necessarily a leader of like a boss, but like a leader of like a known figure in the industry, kind of, yeah, or like a like a change maker in the industry. Yes, change maker, cool. thought leader, okay. whatever synonym you want to throw in there. Because um, when I think of an entrepreneur, too, like the word entrepreneur, I think of like I heard a story recently. I think it was. Um, her name is her your rich BFF, Vivian Thu. So I was recently listening to the Financial Feminist podcast where Tori Dunlap was interviewing Vivian Thu from Your Rich BFF, who is awesome and just released a new book. Um, we can link that podcast in the show notes. Maybe we can link Vivian's book as well because um, it's called Rich as Fuck something 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 some cool um, <laughs> title subtitle. Anyway, she was talking about her first memory of being an entrepreneur where she like traded um, her pen that somebody needed in her class for their chapstick and then sold the chapstick for $1.50 and then took that $1.50 and bought something at lunch. Um, And it's just the entrepreneur piece is kind of like doing anything to make a dollar, which I definitely have that trait in me. But as I fine tune who I am in this space, what draws me and my attention is the leadership piece, which I think then goes to founder and being someone that people mm-hmm. look to as a role model or things. It's not just to make a dollar. Um, I definitely want to make dollars, many dollars. <laughs> Tell me more about you and how you relate to these words. I resonate more with entrepreneur. There's some piece of it where I have a hard time saying like I own three businesses like that. It it feels like pompous and I'm better than you. And like, oh yeah, I own three businesses and I never want it to come across that way. And also kind of overwhelm myself whenever I say that. (laughs) (laughs) The reminder of the dread of responsibility. Um, It's fine. Truly. (laughs) But I also feel like there's just, there's different vibes that come to being an entrepreneur and being a business owner for me. Before we dive into like definitions, because we found some definitions that neither of us, we have some, we have some hot takes on. But whenever I think of entrepreneur, I think of like 
this like startup, okay to get scrappy, visionary, very heady, like where's the company going, like getting to create something for the first time. Whereas when I think of a business owner, I think of someone who is like head down, cranking out tasks, powering through stuff, having this solid balance of like the highs and the lows and like accepting the lows. And I just hate accepting the lows. (laughs) So I feel like with, I feel like with entrepreneur, it's much more of a like growth mindset. Whereas with a business owner, it feels very like management, like management. Yes. And I, and that just doesn't, I don't like those vibes. Those vibes don't feel good to me. So I like the word entrepreneur better. I actually really resonate with your definitions and your experiences of the words. I was nodding along with you because it does feel correct. Um, Entrepreneur is kind of like a spirit, like an entrepreneurial spirit. It's it's the, and I think Enneagram sevens and actually eights as well, um, seven wing eights make for the best entrepreneurs. And I am putting air quotes around that because anybody can be an entrepreneur. Anybody has the spirit, but because we naturally have that hype and that vibe and the glass is half full mentality, mm-hmm. it allows us to have higher risk tolerance, which is a big part of being an entrepreneur is willing to take the risk, willing to put yourself out there. And that is part of your character traits. It absolutely is. I I want to go through each of these definitions that we found online. And by we did not spend like an hour researching definitions. We literally went to Google and pulled like the most common definition. So in 10 we'll seconds, that literally 10 seconds. Yep. In, <laughs> literally. Okay. And so you Googled what is an entrepreneur? And it told us that it is an individual who creates a new business, bearing most of the risks and enjoying most of the rewards. What do you think about this definition? Okay, it's interesting because our big thing we're trying to figure out is like, there a difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner. And what this is saying is an entrepreneur creates a new business. So maybe the create piece is important here of like, the business is created from the vision, from the idea, and all the risk is taking on and the hopes is the reward, like making that money. So yeah, it tracks. I don't think it does it justice though, because the entrepreneur is so much more, like we said, with the spirit and things, but. Right. And that's, that's the word that I'm hung up on of like an individual who creates a new business. Do you feel like in order for someone to call themselves an entrepreneur, they had to have created a business? (gasps) Oh, my gut reaction is no. But when I read this definition and it says someone who created a business, I'm like, also, what if you want to create a business or what if you're working towards creating a business or what if you have a vision for something and you just haven't had the opportunity yet? Like, I still think that makes you an entrepreneur. Or what if you, and this is, I, I feel like there's probably something in this next question I'm going to ask you that is the differentiation between like entrepreneur and business owner. But what if someone has created a business, but it isn't profitable? Would they still be considered an entrepreneur? Like what if someone wants to be a content creator and they like have this really incredible Instagram that they've put a lot of work into, but they haven't gotten a brand deal yet in order to get paid. Does that make them an entrepreneur? 
Okay, I need more. I have more questions than answers. My question would be: Do they want a brand deal? Are they making moves to get a brand deal, or are they a hobbyist where they're doing this because it's fun and Mm. it's not meant to generate revenue? Oh, that's a that's a good differentiator between like entrepreneur and hobbyist. I like that. Yes. Okay. And then I have another thought. So someone that's not making profit yet. And maybe that's not even the word we want to use because when we think of tech and startups where entrepreneurs are rampant, founders are rampant, there's often companies that don't make profits for years because the revenue they're generating is going back into the company. They have investors who are pumping cash into the company. So there isn't profit. Like for example, Uber is still not a profitable company, but we are so reliant on them as a world um, in many cities for public transport. And so- it's not a profitable company yet, which is blows my mind. But they're a company. Entrepreneurs founded about. Uber. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would say I like the part of this definition where it talks about bearing most of the risks and enjoying most of the rewards because I it goes back to creating something like you have to have a pretty high risk tolerance to create something and put yourself out there as an entrepreneur creating a business. Mm-hmm. And so I love that piece of it because I also think like when you believe in something so much that you're willing to create it, like there's also going to be a lot of reward that comes with that, whether it's reward financially, whether it's reward connection wise, community wise, um, or just knowing that you're making like an impact in the world, like that feels really good to me. But I think, yeah, I think there is a little bit of like wishy-washy flexibility of someone that can call themselves an entrepreneur that hasn't necessarily like firmly created a new business yet, but wants it to be a business. Yeah. Yep. And I think that is absolutely still an entrepreneur, like someone who's working towards business ownership, right? Like where's the line of like, now you're an entrepreneur because you made $1. Like, no, that's not how that works. That's not how it works. It is. It's it's exactly what you said. It's a spirit. It's like, it's the embodiment of being an entrepreneur. Yes. So what is a business owner? The definition we found from our 10 second search on Google is someone who owns a business that offers a product or service. They didn't necessarily create the business, but they own it. Now, I don't think they necessarily even have to run it either. I know earlier in our conversation, we were talking about maybe a business owner is more of a manager. There is the option of silent business ownership where you've delegated out everything and you just kind of exist and collect profit. And that's okay. That's valid. Um, So yeah, what are your thoughts on that definition? Overall, just don't love the phrase business owner. (laughs) I'm having a, a hard time with, the idea as someone who has never owned a business that they didn't create. I have a hard time with this idea of owning a business that you didn't create. <laughs> and I know it happens all the time. I like, I, I obviously that is how our world runs. It makes a lot of sense. I can very much see that in like corporate America. It makes a lot of sense. I think what I'm having a hard time with is grasping that definition in our space that is usually smaller teams, maybe solopreneurs. It doesn't feel as like meta as corporate America. It feels more, it feels smaller and it it is smaller. It doesn't feel smaller. It is smaller for the most part. 
because I just I just relate so much more to entrepreneurship. What do you what is your thought on this? Yeah, business owner, it's kind of a boring phrase, right? Of like, I'm a business owner. Like it doesn't feel as fun to identify as a business owner as it does to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, even though technically we are business owners, but it's kind of like saying, I am a person who owns a dog, you know, when like, no, I'm a fucking dog mom and I'm the best at it. Um, it's, it's just a different feel. I keep going back to whenever someone asks me like what I do, I already mentioned, I have a hard time saying like, I own three businesses. I have a hard time saying I own a business. I usually say like, oh, I run a design and marketing studio or, oh, I host food focus trips. Like I don't talk about owning the business. I talk about what I do within the business. And so this definition of business owner only being this, like the sole identity of it is like you own the business. I just don't think it gives credit to all of the other work that comes along with running the business. That's such a good point. I also think it it could kind of be seen as like an old white dude flex of like, I, I own 70 businesses and I don't run shit and I just collect profits. Like it doesn't express the the work and the grit and the founding and everything you've done to get the business to where it goes. Um, it kind of takes away the work, like you're saying. Yeah. I also don't love the idea of people owning a lot of businesses just to make profit and they don't do shit with the company. Like right. that doesn't sit well with me either. Right. Right, right, right. Also, I don't like the focus on me in when I say, if I were to say, I own this business and this business and this business, because I don't know, sometimes I think business owners in that way get put on a pedestal of like, you own this business. And I'm like, listen, my team fucking runs this shit. Like this would not be a business if they weren't here. And so it almost, Mm -hmm. I feel like it would give too much credit to me when there's so many other people, especially for my group that are involved in running that operation. Right. That even though you technically like own it, it's a team effort. Yep. It's also like whenever I think about the podcast, I don't say like, oh, I co-own a podcast with Hannah. I say I co-founded a podcast. I'm the co-founder of the podcast. Oh my God, we are the co-founders. Yes, I think that's what it says on my LinkedIn as well. I think I have co-founder. I don't think I have the word owner anywhere because like on my Instagram, I have like my little three, like I link to all my other accounts and it's like designer and strategist at Morgan Sinclair Designs, co-host of Weight Inclusive Innovators, founder at the Eating Expedition. None of those say business owners. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Okay. There was one more thing that I found on the internet that I copy pasted it into our doc to chat about and you immediately were like, I don't agree with that. So... The hot take that I found on the internet is, well, not all business owners are entrepreneurs. All entrepreneurs are business owners. I hate it. I hate it. I don't think it tracks. So what I hear this saying is you are not an entrepreneur until you own a business, which we kind of talked about. Like people can have an entrepreneurial spirit or like they're in the works of building something that just hasn't created revenue yet, or they're taking a break from being an entrepreneur and got a stable job because they wanted to try something different. Like that doesn't take away the fact that they are an entrepreneur. 
I also think that even if business owners, let's say they acquired a business or they don't really resonate with being an entrepreneur, having a level of risk to tolerate business ownership because nothing is smooth sailing where you're just collecting profit, truly. You can be a silent owner, but if shit hits the fan, like you will earn all your money in one day that year from what you have to deal with and clean up. As long as things are running smoothly, there's not a lot to do, but there's the risk that inherently comes with owning a business. And does that risk mean you're actually an entrepreneur? Because you can tolerate that. I don't know. I agree with all of that. I was also thinking too of like the different types of businesses. So you have like an S corp, an LLC, a partnership, and then you have a sole proprietorship where you don't technically have to register that as a business. It is just tied to your social security number. And so like, is someone considered a business owner if they're just a sole proprietor? Well, and now we're getting technical. I know we are. We are. I'm just trying to cover all facets because I think there's a a lot of nuance to all of this, but 100% all entrepreneurs are business owners. Well, if an entrepreneur is a sole proprietor that is not like technically registered with the government as a business owner, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of like reasons why I don't agree with this because right. Because that's a valid challenging, challenging mindset. Well, and we're not even asking this question, but what is a business? <laughs> we'll just leave you with that. Ponder yeah. that. Yeah, ponder that. Okay, I have one last question for you. Yes. Do you think entrepreneurship is nature or nurture? Like, are you just an entrepreneur because it's in your personality traits? Or do you think someone can learn to be an entrepreneur? What's your what's your gut check? Oh, gosh. Oh, that's a great question. As someone who who identifies as being an entrepreneur by nature, that's my that's my inclination to go towards that like, oh, it, it comes naturally to people because I feel like it has come very naturally to me. But then I like reflect on my upbringing and like I was raised in a very stable household, had a very stable childhood that I think allowed me to take more risks. And so I think there is a little bit of nurture in there and the sense of like, I have always had a safe place and and still do to this day, have a safe place to take risks. There's a nature piece of like loving this creation of something and finding a solution or creating a solution to a problem or a missed market or something like that. But I I don't want to discredit the fact that like, I was raised around small business owners. I was encouraged to sell cupcakes at school. I was in Girl Scouts. Like there is definitely part of my upbringing, part of that nurture piece that I think plays a role in being an entrepreneur. But that's just my personal story. I feel like I don't get to like determine that for anyone else. Yep. Yep. And for me, I had the opposite experience. Like if I'm thinking of my own experience of my childhood and things like I had my basic needs quote unquote met without getting into too many details. Um, but I had no nurture from my parents, like British parents. mm -mm, No, (laughs) you don't get that. And so I didn't have that safety to explore who I want to be. It was like, oh no, I was a risky teen who like misbehaved quote unquote and acted out and had an eating disorder and drank a bunch. Like And I think my 
taking on all of that was a misapplied energy to me needing an outlet, like a creative Mm. outlet, like entrepreneurship. And I think because I went through that shit, my risk tolerance is very high because I'm like, you've never been picked up by a cop on the side of the road at 3 a.m., have you? Mm, I have. And so (laughs) speaking speaking in general, not to you, love that for you. But like I was I was a quote unquote risky teen. And I think that contributes to my risk tolerance as an adult, which is a big part of being an entrepreneur. Um, I also think I am an escapist in my head of like, oh, let me like think of these big ideas and visions. And that's part of entrepreneurship too. But I also, if people aren't resonating with how we are, I don't want them to be discouraged that they can't be an entrepreneur. Mm. Cause I think that's mm-hmm. where like the nurture piece comes in, where you can develop the character skills of openness, curiosity, increasing your window of tolerance for risk in order to step into this space. And I want to encourage yeah. people to do that if they want that. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're listening to two 30 year old white gals with lots of privilege who are Enneagram yep. sevens. Like we yep. have a lot of the same identities, different upbringings, but shared identities um, that have gotten us to be entrepreneurs. And we are not the only types of entrepreneurs there is just from us talking about it. Yep. I appreciate the disclaimer. that distinction. Yeah. Also, we don't know shit. So you might take nothing from this episode. This is just our hot takes and our interpretations of business ownership, entrepreneurs, this question that we've had. We would love to hear your hot takes. So if you are, if something was brought up for you in this episode, email us at hello at weightinclusiveinnovators.com, DM us on Instagram. We want to hear it and we want to know. Are you an entrepreneur? Are you a business owner? Are you neither? Are you something else? Tell us. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcast to add us to your queue every week. Please leave us a rating and review. Share with a friend to help us reach more weight inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. See you next week.